That feeling you aren't alone, that someone is following you home. The disembodied eyes glowing in the woods at night, the shadow moving just out of your eyesight. Better known as Goosebumps, the Heebie-Jeebies, and the Ookums-Pookums. Why, yes, since the dawn of mankind, we've been plagued by the question, Are we really alone? Ever since our hairy ancestors stuck their heads out of their caves and gazed into the endless night and thought, Huh? What? No. Yes, for millennia now, results have been inconclusive. Until now when two absolute jackasses have decided to reveal all. Join us, if you dare, and all will be revealed. Uncryptified. children of the night yes welcome all true believers and truth seekers come join us in the cryptified crypt for this first moth manny winged weird and wonderful episode of cryptified uh, i am your host justin and i am joined for the first time as always by the incomparable harley hey, i am harley hello hello there we go so uh why are we here why are we doing this what is the point really i mean really who is benefiting from listening to the two of us ramble on about monsters and mythos and creatures that go wee into the night? To put it simply, we're here to separate fact from fiction and talk about all the strange creatures lurking in the shadows and waiting to rip out your guts and steal your women's. And I mean, yes, it was convenient that around the same time we thought about exposing the truth about all these horrible creatures out there lurking in the wild, that my great-great-uncle did, of course, pass away, who was also your uh, notary public. Yeah, yeah. And luckily for us, you know, in his passing, he left us a beautiful but condemned lakeside haunted beach mansion. Which, you don't hear the phrase beach mansion often? Especially with global warming these right. days. Right. It's not, it's not practical. No, not at all. But, I mean, here we are, and uh -huh. at least, like, it, it's nice. There's a garden. There is a garden. Fanta fountains. Fanta fountains. Couple of those uh, bounce castles. Those are in the backyard. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Oh, and, and the crypt. The cryptified crypt that I mentioned. The cryptified crypt, yes. Which was pretty cool given our, you know, like of the macabre and the weird that there just happened to be a crypt here, which mm -hmm. with with of all things the narrator in the closet what a find yes which i'm oh, sorry sorry for the, you guys i know this is your first time here the narrator he's the guy in the, the beginning of the episode he, he says like really spooky cryptic things and he's right. he's got kind of a voice like that you know like, like he's that. kind of a buzzkill but he's around and he's full of info mm -hmm. and he just wouldn't stop talking about like Skunk apes, Mothman, Loch Ness monsters, Chupacabras, mm -hmm. just hitting us with these hard facts. And we were like, do people know about this? Do people know? Do they care? No. That's a good point. But, <laughs> but we, we're going to make them. We're going to make them care. Exactly. So um, we're talking cryptozoology. That's the entire idea of this podcast. And, you know, I feel like cryptozoology is kind of a 
it's kind of a I don't want to say it's a hot button issue. I mean, it's not. I would say, given like we mentioned, global warming, right. The pandemic, yeah. War in in Europe, yeah. It might be number one. Like it might be the most important topic there is. It is the top of the list. It's keeping me up at night, right? And it's you know in the upcoming midterm elections, I'm gonna vote based on who's actually talking about these issues. Who has a platform on how to deal with the Fresno nightcrawlers? Because that's what we're talking about. You know what? The water crisis, not even uh, not even uh, the list. Uh. The Fresno nightcrawlers, the pant ghosts. They're terrorizing our city. And we need to do something about it. And for too long, politicians have put their fingers in their ears and and nothing gets done. So, you know, of course, uh, many of the various findings and speculations, theories, and evidence regarding cryptozoology uh, can be taken with a bit of a grain of salt or depending on who you're talking to, an entire heaping spoonful. But cryptozoology has been proven in the past. There have been countless examples of creatures once thought long extinct or completely bullshit that have riven, risen through the ranks of speculation until they were speculation no more. I mean, just recently in the news, like I'm talking very mm-hmm. recently, you can look up October 9th in East Mojo, which everyone knows is the better of the mojos. West Mojo, full of shit, nothing but lies. East Mojo, that's the money mojo, baby. I have an article here from Nathan Lowe, who is at the University of Sydney, who is saying that there was a large cockroach thought to be extinct since the 1930s has been rediscovered in Australia. You don't say. So, I mean, these these egghead Einsteins are sitting around twiddling their thumbs in their fancy little lab coats, loiting their hoity-toity doctorates over us. Like, I went to community college too, okay, buddy? I have a degree on my wall. Sure, it's in graphic arts, and that's about it, but it's something. And you're not better than us. You missed an entire cockroach. You know what? I bet you could design a better dinosaur than any of them anyway. Exactly. Also, right here, we have in the Colorado parks, the wildlife CPW has announced that the greenback cutthroat trout is naturally reproducing for the first time in that state after thought being extinct in 1937. Wow. That's a fish. A whole fish. A whole fish. Alive and well. First a cockroach, now a fish. And if, if you thought that wasn't enough. But wait, there's more? Yes, a fantastic giant tortoise, species thought to be extinct for over 100 years, is found alive. They thought that thing was dead, and it was straight chilling for 100 years on the Galapagos. Oh, my God. So clearly, it's like, science is full of shit. I mean, vaccines, great, love them. If you're listening to this and you haven't gotten one, go get one. Oh, yeah. But Mm -hmm. also, they they don't know everything, you know? Literally, it's, it's science is good for vaccines. Stop. Done. Nothing else. After that, we don't need them anymore oh, because no. clearly they're missing tortoises that are alive for 100 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bring back the good old days when barbers would yank out your teeth and look at your spleen and make sure you didn't have cholera. That's what I need. Give me a good barber who's also a dentist doctor. Leave the rest to the scientists. Exactly. Because I have a barber and you know what? I guarantee you he would be able to turn his head to the left and say, that tortoise is alive and well and not extinct for the past 100 years. Mm-hmm. Now, Harley, I think this comes to the point, especially on our first episode, Mm -hmm. where it begs the question, and I've been wondering this for a long time, in the cinematic universe of Tomic the Tank Engine, you know how, like, the tanks had faces? Right, yeah. But Mm -hmm. there were also, like, regular humans who were the conductors? Yeah. You think they ever smooched on 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 the trains? I don't see how they wouldn't have smooched on the trains. I know, right? I feel like, I feel like what, what better place to smooch 
on those trains. Then on those trains. Those sweet, supple, cold lips. Right. Like, they got those faces. And... Someone's got to kiss them. And, like, do you think they have feelings? Yeah. Like, does the train know that they're being... Smooched on? Smooched upon. Yeah. Like, do they feel the smooch? Or are they just like, I move my lips like this? Yeah. I I mean... <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, sorry. I, I'm reviewing my notes here. I also needed to ask you... What what's your thoughts on on cryptids? Are you a believer? Are you a skeptic? I I think it depends on the cryptid. I feel like there are quite a few cryptids that we can be like, oh yeah, this is probably like a dog with scabies or whatever. But I feel like there are too many of them to that have no explanation to like be like completely written off. And also like I mean, if you think about it this way, I like to use the ocean as an example for everything. Like the fact that we have only discovered like I mean, they always talk about how little of space we discovered. But we've discovered even less of the fucking ocean. Terrifying down there. And it's kind of like how that makes me think like, okay, cool. So the ocean has like all these nth levels that we haven't even been able to look at yet. How deep do woods really go? How deep underground can things live? How, you know, it's like, so it's like, I feel as though at this point in my life, I feel as though it is foolish to say that like things that we know and understand as we know and understand them are the way that they are. There's got to be a Nessie or two down there. At least, at least a Nessie. Minimum. Uh. Yeah. Maybe a pod of Nessies. I, we're going to find it out on this podcast and expose the truth about it. But yeah. I, I got to say I'm with you on that because I'm definitely a believer in ghosts, specters, Same. goblins, creatures Same. of that nature. Have had my experiences with those. Mm-hmm. Have had what I believe was a UFO experience. Same. But, I, but I've never experienced a cryptid. But I still believe in them. Yeah. I th- But I think you your belief in the other unknowables just kind of lends into the belief of the other unknowables yeah but i also like the world's not a great place oh no it's bad it's very bad. real bad and i don't know if you guys have read in the news lately uh here's an article that says everything sucks all caps <laughs> with exclamation points what? it's bad so it really helps me to think like magic is real Right. And there are Bigfoots out there and big feet with refer- big old feet and, you know, giant bat like creatures that roam the night. And it makes me feel better about reality. Like, that's the reality that I want. No, yeah, because I feel like if I have any possibility of getting youped up into the fucking trees by mm-hmm. a Jersey Devil, I'm taking it. Because it's better than what we got going on right it's now. It's better than what we got going on. Eat me, Jersey Devil. You heard it here first. I know you're listening, Jersey Devil. So, like, hit us up. He has a very, very active podcast library. It's true. He's on uh, WTF and Marin like every other week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fascinating guy. Mm-hmm. So, we talk about the Mothman, obviously, not just because of our affection toward cryptids and because of, you know, the the interesting subject matter. Because it is, it has kind of been done to death. You know, I mean, I believe you know we there's there's the movie and there's the book. Who was who was the one getting those prophecies? I, Kevin Bacon. Did he get what? the prophecy? He got was he got Kevin foot Bacon? loose. That's for sure. I mean, yeah, he definitely got foot loose. But it was, and he definitely got poked through the neck with that arrow in <sighs> Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, it's Richard Gere. Richard Gere. Yeah, that's who it was. That's Pop culture was. will tell you there's a gerbil in his butt, but there wasn't. But he there wasn't. was getting a Mothman's prophecies. He was getting Mothman prophecies, and the prophecy told him that two years later, in the year 2003, he would star in a Broadway in the I'm sorry, the movie version of the hit Broadway musical of Chicago. He'd be nominated for an Emmy, and it came true. 
Which is why we talk about the Mothman today, because specifically of his prophecies. He's a modern-day Nostradamus. Yes, he predicted a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, The NFT craze that's coming about right now. Uh, Also, he thought that cords were going to be really in this summer and mm-hmm. he was wrong he was off winter is where they came in right mm-hmm. he, but, predicted, he predicted the, the end of culottes yes which, thankfully that was correct <laughs> and unfortunately he predicted the return of the low rise pants which is not great not great at all i like to wear them a little bit higher myself i prefer a high waist pant and, and so as, as you mentioned like it's been done to death it's definitely the in my mind the monster you think of when you think cryptids mm-hmm. but we would be absolutely remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that, like, we are here in the greater Chicagoland area. Yes. And in 2017. Yes. Began an explosion of Mothman sightings here at home, which you had an experience with. I did. So there are very few lists that I am proud to be a part of. But this <laughs> list, let me tell you. Is one that won't have the FBI knocking on your door? Yes. One that I can still fly wherever I'd like to in the continental United States. But yeah, uh, so many, many years ago, um, I was performing at a nightclub, as one is wont to do. And I had a very long drive home. And this was in 2017. So this is the height of the Chicago Mothman craze. And I was driving home. And it was actually, weirdly, it was about this time of year. It was, I mean, it might very well be like, how, how many years ago was 2017? A bunch? I'm not the mathematician here. It might as well be a bunch of years to the date. <laughs> and uh, I was driving home, and sure enough, I looked to my right, and I saw what I thought was a Halloween decoration on top of a light post at an intersection. And I was like, that's a dumb place to put a Halloween decoration, because no one can fucking see it. And then the Halloween decoration stood up, and it flew away. Which is normally not, I mean, we see a lot of 12-foot skeletons, right? Mm-hmm. but never a uh, perched on top of a light post flying away skeleton. Right, no, uh, those are much more expensive. Yeah, and yeah. in this economy, no one's got that kind of dough. Yeah, no one's got that kind of dough. But I remember when this happened to you, and I was a little bit jealous because, like a lot of our friends, I really wanted to see the Chicago Mothman. Yeah. And I can tell you, we'll get into this a little bit later, but in reviewing this case, he's been just outside of my grasp, like, always. <laughs> is, he, is he pure personal white whale? I'm, I'm going to find him one day. And I don't know, I don't care what I have to do, but with the help of the Cryptified Crypt and the narrator, I will track this Mothman down yeah. and I'm going to be his best friend. Because one, one of the nice things about this cryptic, the Cryptified Crypt is it actually came with state-of-the-art Mothman tracking like Doppler radar. Yeah, and a net. And a, a big net. Yeah. Game Which over. All you need, really. So uh, so do you want to go into the history of the Mothman now, I guess, before we kind of segue into the modern day cases? Yes, I think it's only natural before we get into the explosion of Chicago Mothmans that began in 2017. I would say we should go back and explore the humble beginnings of said Mothman. All right. So the legend of the Mothman, as we know it, began uh, in Point Pleasant, uh, West Virginia, uh, from November 15th of 1966 through about December 15th of the following year, 1967. Uh, the first newspaper report was published in the Point Pleasant Register, and it was dated November 16th of 1966, titled, Coupled Sea Man-Sized Bird Creature Something. 
Yes, on that fateful night of November 15, 1966, two young couples from Point Pleasant, a Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Millette, told police they saw a large gray creature whose eyes glowed red when the car's headlight picked it up. They described it as a large flying man with 10-foot wings, following their car while they were driving in an area outside of town known as the TNT area, a site of a former World War II munitions plant. During the next few days, other people also reported similar sightings. Two volunteer firemen who saw it said it was a huge, large bird with red eyes. The Mason County Sheriff, George Johnson, commented that he believed the sightings were due to an unusually large heron who he named a shitpoke. Contractor Newell Partridge told Johnson that when he aimed a flashlight at the creature in a nearby field, his eyes glowed like bicycle reflectors. Additionally, he blamed the buzzing noises from his television set, the disappearance of his German Shepherd dog on the creature. Now, we're all familiar with that story, like you said. Mm classic of course it is a stuff of nightmares that is what you think of when you think of the mothman i've been there in point pleasant it is it is a terrifying podunk one horse town you saw the statue i saw that butt crack you saw the butt crack it was looking uh, on point yeah but the interesting thing that i think we discovered while researching the chicago mothman is that there have been recite there have been reports of the chicago mothman and other winged creatures in the area almost a decade earlier than the Point Pleasant Mothman. So I think that's, uh, suffice it to say, suck it, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. We're wiping out the best statues are. We're moving that sweet butt crack here. Right on top of, of the, the bean. <laughs> <laughs> but in, and so in Chicago, our story begins actually nine years earlier than okay. the Point Pleasant case. In the early winter of 1957, Gerald... Turries reported seeing a winged creature with the body of a large man while out hunting as a young man in Braidwood, Illinois. I know where that is. Yeah. And then after that, October 27th, 1969, Floyd Hancock is said to have been abducted from his home as a young child for an intermediate amount of time by a tall winged humanoid before being returned. Huh. That's actually really interesting. Because uh, I don't think, I, I think that might be the only report of a winged creature slash mothman committing child abduction or abducting anything on our list that may be the only case there but it's interesting to see that in 57 a you know full nine years before the infamous mothman case there were reports of a winged creature with a large body with the body of a large man like it's it's fascinating to find out that's crazy yeah that's that's wild um and it's funny because i think i think especially when you when you think about like the older that these reports get for me, um, the more credibility they get. Because I feel like in 1957, it was incredibly difficult to fake this sort of thing. You know, like I, I when, when I tell people about my Chicago Mothman experience and they kind of like raise an eyebrow, like I understand it. It's incredibly easy to fake shit today. Right. Not so much in 1957. No. And the interesting thing, too, is that you see a lot of these cases are reported by multiple eyewitnesses right. who are corroborating the same story with no connection to each other whatsoever. And you'll see this. We're going to talk about this a little bit later that you'll see a repeated idea floated of like it's an owl or it's a heron. And it's like not that many people are going to mistake a bird for a giant large gargoyle like creature right and and the thing that i find very interesting though and this is something we could we, we will probably end up talking about in in a uh, like at greater lengths in other episodes um but when people shrug it off as being like oh it's just a giant owl that also sets off alarm bells in my head 
Because I don't know if you're familiar with this, but there's also the phenomenon of UFO appearing to people as large owls. I certainly am, and it's another thing that terrifies me. Scares the shit out of me. To no end. Yeah, there's a great book for our people listening. It's called The Messengers. Um, It kept me up for days. Uh, because it's just eyewitness accounts of people who experienced incredibly awkward and weird interactions with very large owls, followed by abduction-type experiences, and it fucked me up for an entire summer. That is, as I mentioned, I've had what I think is an alien experience, and aliens are truly one of the most terrifying things in the world to me. I think they scare me more than, like, the cryptid, like, you know, monster-type Because they're out there. They're fucking out there. They're everywhere, and they're everywhere right now. Like, the sightings have just gone up exponentially over the past like year and a half which is awesome terrifying at the same time yeah and, and it's like convenient for Tom DeLonge to come back to Blink-182 now when we need him most like right. you're right. supposed to be the one helping us shift through this evidence and telling us what's what you created the To the Skies was it To the Stars Academy? To the Stars yeah yeah the To the Stars Academy and now you're just gonna bail now? when we need you most when we need you the most Please. I, f- I feel like I can't tease the, the listeners. Like, you've heard this story, so this is definitely a repeat for you. But, like, my UFO experience was terrifying. And it's something I think about to this day, like, consistently. I've never it's had a great a, story. I've never had another one. But, like, around the time that it happened, I was in grade school. I was sharing a bedroom with my brother. And I remember being awake at night, watching Nick at night, because that was my jam back then. Mm Got to watch the Happy Days block that Mm -hmm. would roll around. Two solid episodes. Had to see what Fonzie and and Posse were up to. Mm -hmm. And I remember being awake and watching it. And suddenly, like, everything went silent. And everything started to shake. And I remember, like, things were falling off. Like, toys were knocking over off shelves. Like, cups were getting knocked over. Like, everything was shaking violently. And I remember trying to wake my brother up, and he was sound asleep. And I ran downstairs to wake up my father, who was asleep on the chair. He would not wake up either. And there was all these lights flashing everywhere, and it sounded like a subwoofer, like a boom, boom, boom. And then all of a sudden, it just stopped. And it went away. And the shaking was gone, and the noise was gone, and the lights were gone, and everything was fine again. I love that story. And it's like, you and I both grew up very close to the O'Hare Airport, so Mm -hmm. we know what an airplane sounds like. We know what a helicopter sounds like. We know what it's like when those things are coming too close. It's like one of the weirdest things that's ever happened to me, and it's Mm -hmm. stuck with me, and it's... Aliens are terrifying. And and just, I mean, for the listeners, like, when, when Justin says that we grew up near the O'Hare Airport, we were folks that were close enough in range that in, like, the early 2000s, the airport paid for all of the people in that certain, like, area to get new windows put in that were had soundproofing because we were that close. So we were not strangers to strange noises at odd hours, but that is completely unlike anything that any, you know, anyone would have been familiar with. So... And- but that's an incredible story, and I really think that you know eventually I'm sure we'll end up touching base on on aliens, and I would love to explore that more because aliens are scary as shit. Uh, but back to the Mothman. Yes. Um, back to our good friend, our our uh, benevolent warning skybird. I don't know the stupid name for the Mothman. That's dumb. We'll keep it in. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we can't go through all of the cases. Um, that have appeared over the last, you know, uh, eight, nine years. 
but we wanted to focus on some of the 2017 to present cases. And that's the cool thing about this is that this is a phenomenon that is ongoing. This is not something that happened in, you know, in history. It is something that is still happening to this day. As recently as like, I think the last time I looked at the tracker, there was one like six weeks ago or something. Exactly. And as we mentioned, it's fascinating to us that before the, you know, famous Mothman case that we had one that two or we had one that happened here uh, in, in Illinois, but also over the past, you know, however many years that is starting back in 1957, we have seen a total of 156 sightings in the Fuck. Illinois area of a winged creature. I didn't know the numbers was that high. That's wild. Yes. And what's even more impressive of that is out of that 156, 51 of those have been from 2017 to present. There's some shit going on. There is some shit. And like we said, we're going to focus mostly on the 2017 to present ones, but uh, I did want to cherry pick a few select ones which kind of stood out. And in 1981, a 13-year-old boy claims to have had an intense psychic encounter with a red-eyed winged being in Cicero, Illinois. Now, wanted to call out that because Cicero is incredibly close to us. It is very close. And it it's another case of, like you said, I don't remember any other abduction stories centering around the Mothman, but this is one where you see a child having psychic encounters and communicating with a Mothman telepathically, which is like very interesting again to think about, not something you see pretty often. Um, also in 97, there were separate witnesses reporting frightening wing gargoyles in Rock Island in Naperville, Illinois. Right again, so close to us. Oh, yeah. Like 40 minutes. In 97, we were alive. Uh-huh. We were coherent. We were understanding what was going on in the world. I was not aware that there were giant Mothmans roaming around Naperville by Fox Valley Mall. Well, probably because it was relegated to like the Weekly World News of the time. It wasn't something you would find yeah. anywhere else. And then on September 8th, 2001, a woman reports four red-eyed winged humanoids flying over her home in Berwyn, Illinois. Berwyn, the home of Sven Gulli, mm-hmm. literally right next door to me. That's wild. Do you think she was super bummed that she had like two days to tell that story before the nation's attention span shifted elsewhere? I mean, I certainly would be. I hope she milked it for two days. 48 hours of just like, you will not believe what I saw. And then and then on September 12th, she was like, you will not believe. Shut the fuck up. For- <laughs> it's almost like the guy who bowled the perfect game on 9-11-2001. Yes. Right. Like. S- solitary balloon coming down from the ceiling yeah like that guy never gets to be like i bought 300 once everyone's like yeah when was it and he was like uh 9 11 and then uh you know by august uh of 2006 they had other reports a man and his son reported a large dark being with a cape-like wings in bensonville illinois which again super fucking close I think you'll find Harley that a lot of these ones that I've cherry picked are ones that we are incredibly close to in our area and in in 2006 is one of the more recent ones um, that we again were alive and coherent for Mm -hmm. I would have been 16 years old yeah I was a junior in high school and Bensonville was literally a town over from us Mm -hmm. and this is the kind of thing that my friends and I would do was go go around and explore abandoned places and, and look into ghosts and cryptids and other weird things and again, he just kept eluding my grasp. So, so, so we're talking, we're talking over a decade now of being taunted by, by the winged creature of your dreams. What do I got? Do I got to leave the light on outside for you? Like, what's gonna get you over here, man? That's actually not a bad idea. I'm gonna try it tonight when I go home. 
So all that suffice to say that the history of the Mothman in Chicago has been a long time coming. Yeah. It's not necessarily a new phenomenon, but it is one that exploded in 2017. Yeah, and it's really interesting because so there's there's a, an incredible website um, called phantomsandmonsters.com. Uh, it's run uh, by a gentleman named Lon Strickler, and he's done a really good job of cataloging all of these um, sightings. Um, actually, when I had my experience with the Chicago Mothman, um, that was the person that I that I emailed. He, I, I stumbled across an email address on like Facebook or something about you know who to contact if you see this thing and 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 who to reach out to. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to email on. You're just, you're, you're rubbing it in my face. You're holding, know, you're holding it over me. Always the bride I'm made sorry. and never the bride. I'm sorry. but just I want to be at Gene and Jude's <laughs> just bumping into the Mothman once, you know? Hot dog in one hand, grape soda in the other. Ex- like, just what is up, my guy? Uh, but he, he, he emailed me back, and then we actually had a, a pretty lengthy phone conversation. Um, so we're going to go through a few of, of our, like, favorites uh, from Phantoms and Monsters. Again, that's phantomsandmonsters.com. Uh, you can look at this interactive map yourself. And there's literally, there's over 150 of them, like uh, Justin had mentioned earlier. And each one of them has an entire story that goes along with them. So it's really incredible to, to look at these look at it, these things. In some cases, photos and videos as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this first one that we're going to look at comes from October 8th, 2017, which is actually almost, a, almost you know, six years, seven years to the date. I don't know how to math. Uh, to when we're actually recording right now, so that's super cool. Um, so uh, this is obviously a report from a uh, person who had an encounter. Um, they write, I was writing to share my sighting of the Chicago Mothman. I was walking toward the Chicago Avenue Red Line entrance from work when I made the sighting. It happened to be around 10.15 to 10.20 p.m. on Saturday, October 7th. Uh, I happened to look up to my left, and I saw an object drifting in the sky, um, on a closer look, I was able to see the object was dark gray in color and seemed to have a large wingspan. It started to drift up, but then dived down and ducked between the buildings and reappeared on the other side. I was standing on Chicago Avenue in Wabash. As the object reappeared, it passed between a few more buildings and then flew toward the lake. Um, Lon then went ahead and contacted the witness for follow-up in- information. And uh, he said that you know from his distance... Um, it was a little hard to make out details of the object, but it kept moving very quickly and very fluid-like, which is a, which that kind of like fluid movement is something that that connects from from sighting to sighting to sighting. Um, the wings were about equal length, if not a bit longer than the object itself, and they flapped a few times, but seemed seemed to have glided more than flapped. Um, I could tell the object was quite large, easily ruled out a bird. Um, again, which is a very, very common thing. When, when I told people about my experience, everyone's like, oh, it's probably an owl. It's probably a heron. Um, it's probably some kind of large bird. And no, no, this this thing was immediately identifiable as something other than a bird. You know, um, very rarely do birds have like a bat-like face, you know. Um, the or, description you know, I... Long, long arms with biceps. Right, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the description that I gave, and this is just because I'm a comic book, comic book nerd, was like kind of like the thing I saw immediately reminded me of like Man Bat from the Batman animated series, but, yeah, you know, just, sans pants. Just a hulking, sexy beast of a creature. Right, right. I would have appreciated the ripped blue jeans, but, you know, you can't you can't win them all. Low rise ripped blue jeans. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if we move if we move along and look at some more of these, um, 
this is actually one of my favorites. This is from September 24th of 2017. Um, and the report was of a red-eyed winged goblin that confronted a family in Chicago's Little Village neighborhood. Now, again, for those of you that don't live here, um, Little Village is a very, like, cute area. Lots of really nice restaurants. Lots of, you know, really cute apartment buildings. Um, it's not a bad place to settle down and, you know, make your home. Uh, but apparently for this family, um, I'm, I, they were threatened <laughs> of some, by, by this thing. Which seems to be a reoccurring thing that you notice in these sightings. And they're always in like very nice area, yeah. areas of Chicago. It'll be like, oh, on the Gold Coast, I uh, was confronted by the Mothman. And it's Stole like... Stole my purse. And, and his identity. And he, you know, opened up a bunch of fraudulent credit cards. <laughs> so uh, in this report, again, this is from Phantoms and Monsters. Um, it says, we were walking home from Sunday evening mass and we're walking our usual route up Drake Avenue toward our house. Of course they, of course they live up Drake Avenue. Uh, as we walked, we noticed what looked like a very tall man dressed in, bl- in black standing out in the middle of the road underneath a streetlight. We didn't pay much attention as we assumed that it was just a regular person in the road wearing black clothing. But the man then stretched his arms above his head and suddenly a pair of very large wings spread out from behind him, which must have been over 10 feet wide and were solid black. Even though this man was standing under a streetlight, there was not a lot of detail. Now, I'm not going to lie, and I don't want to question any of the eyewitness accounts. This straight up sounds like a vampire. It might be, and I'm not going to rule it out. I hope. I want. Because, oh, that's my goal. Right. No, same. Is, is the Anne Rice fantasy. Yes. Just, especially with that new, I mean, I don't know. You, you said that you watched it. That, oh, I love it. Oh, my God. The new interview with the vampire. It puts the sexual fluid in sexual fluidity. Yes, there is a lot of it. A lot of sexual fluid happening. We all want to be just free, sexy vampires running around New Orleans hooking up with everybody. That's all I want. God. So, anyway, they say as they walked closer, they noticed that the man had turned and walked, or they said hopped. Uh, toward the sidewalk and it was then that it turned toward them and they saw that it had a pair of glowing red eyes Uh, the woman says that her mother uttered the words madre de dios and crossed herself and said that it looked like a duende which is the spanish word for goblin Um, we stopped and stood in front of my mom trying to shield her the man then made a loud screech opened its wings and shot up in the air Uh, they said they could hear the sound of wings flapping as it rose up and out of sight um and yeah by the time they got home uh they they kind of calmed down their mom and uh the mother kept on saying that she could feel a strong sense of evil coming from this thing which i don't i don't i have not heard that a lot i've not no, heard no. from a lot of people that this thing felt inherently malevolent right um which I mean, even in the 60s, the description of the Mothman were not described as malevolent. If anything, you know, there's a culture kind of around the Mothman that kind of sees him as sort of like a benevolent protector because, you know, the Mothman kind of warned the people of Point Pleasant that the bridge was going to collapse. Right. So it's like, so my brain goes, you know, what were you seeing? Yes, it was a winged creature, but was this the same winged creature? It's a good point. And it's interesting, too. The thing that I noticed about a lot of these sightings is that people's fight or flight uh you know instincts kick in right away 
And I don't think that's going to happen from seeing just like a simple owl or like a bat or like a giant bird or something like you're really going to have to notice like, no, this is not the, the ordinary. This is not the norm. Like, you know, I, I've seen big owls. I've seen bats. I've seen all that. Like it, it does kind of take you back for a second where you're like, wait, what is that? Very quickly, you're able to be like, oh, it's a it's a bird. It's a bat. Like, you, mm-hmm. you know exactly what it is. Like to, a lot of these people are not only getting good glimpses of it and seeing it and having chances to like look at it and understand what they're seeing but it's initiating that fight or flight mode of being like what the hell is happening like they're talking about having to protect their mother from it it's like something in their brain kicked in to be like this is not right we are not safe and we need to protect ourselves from this right and i feel like it's it's interesting just because like you know it takes a lot it takes a lot of doing to make somebody completely like forget about common conventions that they're used to right you know so like you know we talk about you know you talk about the fight or flight thing and how like it's easy to rule out like a bird or an owl or something like that i think that it takes a it takes something truly extraordinarily different and unexplainable for someone to be like i know what a bird looks like and that ain't a fucking bird and square up (laughs) you want you want some (laughs) right so uh, we're going to do a few more of these just because the stories are increasingly interesting. This one I liked, again, just because of the title, because the, um, the the person that saw it referred to it as a deer bat. Okay. Which I think is really wild. Um, now, now, mind you, some of these Chicago Mothman sightings aren't actually technically, you know, they don't follow the same identification patterns as normal Mothman sightings. They're just flying humanoids. Um, a lot of them have been colloquially kind of like relegated to being some kind of mothman or mothmen um you know uh but flying humanoids in general have kind of been a bit of an epidemic specifically in the chicagoland area but really around the entire united states this this is not an insulated um phenomenon by any means um if anybody listening to this were to take take like 15 minutes and just type in you know modern day flying humanoid sightings they're everywhere. Uh, Justin and I just chose to focus on these because they are so close to us, and they're very immediately centered around you know where we spend most of our time. So, and, and again, you had an experience, and with I this. had an experience. Yes, it's like there's no way we can kick off a podcast where we talk about the ooky spooky creepies crawlies out mm-hmm. in the real uh, in the world of cryptids without talking about one that you know, like by proxy, I experienced it through you. There you know, there you go. Just hold that. There's your that, that's your torch. That is like you know my consolation prize. So this report was reported. Uh, this report was reported. That's fun wording. Uh, this was sent over to the Singular Fortean Society, which is another incredible website. Uh, Singular Fortean. Um, if you are interested in anything related to the paranormal or cryptids, um, they are another investigative site. Um, they pretty much track sightings from all over the country. Uh, they do ghost investigations. They're really, really cool people. So I highly recommend everyone checks out both them and Phantoms and Monsters for some more information on just some of the sort of the weird, wild things that go on. But be warned now, some of the ads you get on Singular 14 are wild. They're pretty wild, yes. It is like National Enquirer level of like, say what now? Huh? What? Where? Huh? Who? Like there was one of a dog, like it's a dog laying down with a big old belly and it's like, uh, dog refuses to give birth. When investigator sees the X-ray, he uh, killed the owner. Find out why. And I was like, "Damn, this is juicy." I need to know why. I need to know why. Did you find out why? No, I didn't click through. Ah, crap. Yeah. 
So uh, again, this was uh, the singular fourteen. So this was from um, apparently this person reported their sighting um, twice. The first time in twenty ten. Okay. And then again in twenty seventeen. Repeat business. Yeah. So it starts off as a lot of these posts start off. If I had not experienced it firsthand, I would have probably dismissed it as fiction. Please, I assure you, this was 100% the whole story of that particular night. Now, I don't know about you. This sounds like a penthouse letter. It's getting kind of steamy. So it began as a typical summer day approximately five years ago. These events take place in northern Illinois near Rockford. Now, for those of you not from Illinois, Rockford is about, I would say, what, two hours outside of Chicago-ish? Give or yeah, take. about. It's a trek. Yeah. Um, my friend Nick and I were cruising around in my 1997 Firebird classic. Oof. As the day progressed, we decided to head toward the country roads to do some drifting. Typical Ca- behavior from a 16-year-old with a sports car. This guy sounds cool as shit. This guy sounds awesome. We need to call him up and be on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, jump ahead two hours or so. It's around 11 p.m. We were on Gravel Road. We were in a location that was secluded but was farmland everywhere. So there were houses every so often. Now, me and Nick are talking while I'm repeatedly slowing down and then applying the gas hard. So I can get my vehicle sideways on this straight patch of road. The corn on the side of this old gravel road was head height as it was toward the end of its growing season. And I began slowing down for probably the fifth time, only I could see the corn shaking. Uh, Me and Nick both had stopped talking and were both watching the corn. I'd expected a group of deer to run out or across the road, so naturally I slowed down to a roll. The corn was now shaking violently and quickly headed toward the road. Um, Now, at this point, me and Nick are staring at the corn, waiting for the expected wildlife to pass. I'm not sure how to describe this, but what we saw was frightening. The corn parted about eight feet in front of my car, and uh, it looked like a deer had jumped out of corn, but it was the size of a buck and completely black. Mind you, my headlights were focused right at the stretch of road and corn area. It's a very specific area, the road and corn area. So the whole scene was well illuminated. As it proceeded to jump out of the corn, it opened these huge wings and remained airborne. It flew right in front of my car and did a zigzag flight pattern, almost like a fly or a bug would do. After the zigzag, it shot straight up into the air like it was placed in a cannon and blasted into the sky. I would poop myself. I would, yes. That sounds absolutely terrifying. Especially because, I mean, like... So, so he said it's the size of a buck. That is a big, massive fucking deer. I've been chased by a buck. With what? Yeah. All right. Pause. Story time now. So, you know, as mentioned uh, on this podcast that we are doing today and yes. the previous uh, horrified podcast, I used to go around uh, the woods areas at night with friends to explore and spook ourselves out. Uh-huh. And one night while in the River Grove Woods across from where the infamous Chicago hot dog Gene and Jude's is. Delicious. We used to go traipse around there at night and we were coming out of there going back to our car and in the middle of the road was a buck. Like massive. Like I'm talking this thing is like. Like just chilling? It Like staring at us like illuminated under a street light. Just this like big old buff buck. That's wild. Huge horns and it just looks up at us and it's like. You want you want some smoke? You want you want to do this? And we were like, "No, sir, Mr. Buck, we do not want to do this. We would like to go to our car. You have a great night." And the buck said, "I'm afraid that's not going to happen." And it charged at us. <laughs> and this buck is literally ramming into cars with its giant horns, like the body weight is smashing in the doors, like things are getting crumpled, and we're just trying to get out of there. So eventually, 
buck gets tangled up in the cars it's like smashing into things going all crazy and we tiptoe around it and go to the other side and get to our car and get out of there that's fucking wild yeah it's terrifying that's insane yeah and they're and they're massive they're huge yeah no, they're big yeah wow they, all right not not a fan of them they they would they look to fuck you up if they can i is that like a thing Oh, I think so, hundred percent. Like the the like the the bucks are very aggressive. Because like I know a moose will fucking murder the shit out of you. Yeah, yeah, and I think the bucks are just like very like territorial and like protective, oh. especially if there are young ones around. Like they'll just be okay. like ready to go. That's wild. So moving on uh, again, we wanted to just do a couple more of these before we wrap up. Um, let's go to the most recent one. Let's just really take it. Let's take it to today. Let's take it to today, today, here, and now. Let's see what's going on with Mothman now. Uh, the title of this report is A Screeching Bat-Winged Humanoid and UFO Observed Again in Rockford, Illinois. Off to a good start. So this, again, is from the Singular 14 Society. Uh, they were contacted by um, a resident who said that she and her mother had seen both a massive black-winged humanoid and a glowing UFO in Rockford. The two for duo? Yeah, during the early morning hours of June 20th. So again, this is pretty recent. Some guys have all the luck. She said that she had not previously been aware of the other sightings in her area and only found the Singular 14 Society after going online following her own encounter to try to find similar reports. <laughs> what did she type in? <laughs> like <laughs> Moth dot 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 man question mark? Red Eyes, Rockford. So both of her sightings were either on or near um, Fort Kent Creek, um, which is a which is like I guess sort of like a like a riverbed canal. Um, they began at approximately one a.m. when sh- when she and her mother were outside of the apartment. Um, she said, "There's my parking lot." We were facing toward my building, and next to that, between me and the canal, there's a parking lot that has nothing, just like an empty lot. And then there's the canal. I could see the overpass bridge that runs down Auburn over the canal. And across from that, there's a shop that has its lights on and is very, very well lit. I'm not sure what it is. A, a hauling business, I think. They have trucks and garage doors and stuff. Then there's a pretty thin tree line on the canal and there's nothing on my side. It was reasonably let, well lit when the creature crawled out of the canal. Jesus. I could see the cement guardrail walls because all the lights on the side from that shop and the light reflecting from the lights that were on my side of the building. The trees were pitch dark. I heard a screech that made me turn my head and it looked like it crawled from out of the canal because I saw this black silhouette following up and onto the embankment. That's when you could see the black silhouette against the light on the other side. You could clearly see... This black blob moving across. And when my mom looked over because she saw something in the corner of her eye, and obviously I was already looking over there, she saw the black blob. And then it took flight within the tree line. We could clearly see the shape of the wings and the size of this thing going through the tree line. Obviously, I can't say it was through the tree line. It could have just been above the canal like the water. But we saw it completely pass like we saw it going through. She told the investigator that the creature reminded her of the character Marcus from the film Underworld. Solid reference. Because of its humanoid appearance and bat-like wings. So so sexy. Yes. Like leather-clad and sexy yes. with a sweet new metal soundtrack. Yes. Oof. She estimated the creature's wingspan to be 12 feet and described the sound it made as a dinosaur screech like a raptor. I didn't see any glowing red eyes or anything like everybody else is describing, but it flew away from us and we were looking at its profile most of the time or its back. 
um, I was freaking out and it was pitch black. I didn't see the red. I'm different. I'm not like other people. I didn't see the red eyes. All in all, she said the sighting lasted maybe two or three minutes, which I think is actually one of the longest like encounters that anyone's had. Usually it's like a, a 10 second blip. Mine was like a 10 second blip. And even, even, yeah, it, this is definitely the longest. And the other ones we've talked about earlier seemed like they maybe went on for maybe 20, 30 seconds. But, you know, certainly long enough to like be, be certain it's not an owl. Right. That's, can I ask you, when you had your sighting, I know you said it was very brief. Yeah. What was going through your mind when you saw it, though? Truthfully, um, like as far as what I thought it was or like just what my first thought was. Like I know when you when you saw it you were like okay Halloween decoration right. and then it stood up and you were like nah, not Halloween, Halloween decoration. decoration. Yes. <laughs> like is your immediate thought just huh? What? Well, or is it more like what the fuck is going on? Definitely the latter cuz I had already heard about the other sightings, you know. Right. Uh my first rat rep sighting was what the fuck is going on? And my second reaction was, I need to call my mom. <laughs> and I pulled over to call my mom. Uh, and she still to this day doesn't believe it actually happened. So Again, I think like something about seeing this thing like is initiating a fight or flight response. Like you were yeah. like, I have to call my mom. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was 100% like a, a 10-year-old child again. And how did you feel like the rest of the night when you got home? Like, did you did you sleep with the lights on? Did you were you comfortable going like and laying down or what? Uh, I not so at the time I was living in this apartment out in Itasca, which is a suburb of Chicago, um, for those familiar. And I had this really interesting bedroom where like I had a massive walk-in closet, but I didn't have enough clothes to constitute a walk-in closet. Mm-hmm. So I put my bed inside the walk-in closet. Great move, though. Yeah, it was a great move. I had a living room in my room. It was fantastic. Um, that was the only night in the entire time that I lived there that I closed the door of Ooh. that walk-in closet. Yeah. And I and and I remember because if you close that door, there was like there was no air conditioning vents or anything, so it was swelteringly hot even in October, in that room, and. Um, I didn't want to sleep with the door open because I could see directly across my windows looking out of the parking lot. And I was like, fuck, fucking no. Zero percent. Do I want to wake up in the middle of the night and see that thing? God, it followed me home. It has some kind of a psychic like tag now, like the Jeepers Creepers monster. I didn't want any of that shit at all. So, yeah, I 100 percent had a fight or flight response. I absolutely did not sleep well that night. It's it's that's what's the most fascinating thing about this to me at least with like whatever this winged humanoid creature that we see in the illinois area is is that number one everyone's getting a good enough look at it to have a visceral reaction to it and whether that is either i I need to fight for my life or like i just need to be comforted like exactly you're you're seeing something from it and that's that's interesting i'm like you know like i said i haven't had a cryptic experience but any haunting any ghost any ufo sighting i've had I, you, you go through that same range of emotions where at first you're just like this can't be what I think it is like that I have to be wrong and then as it goes on you're just like wait what like mm-hmm. is this for real right now and then afterwards it's hard to question your own judgment and your own reality and be like like certainly I have to be missing something like your, your right. brain's trying to rationalize what you see which brings us to the point of from Point Pleasant West Virginia to Chicago everywhere the naysayers are out in full force on this. Oh thing. yeah, I've and, had people tell me to my face that it was like a, an owl or a crane. And that's the thing is like, again, growing up in the area that we grew up in, there is actually a lot of cranes and oh, yeah. and um, how do you say it, herons? Herons. But there's a lot of these big 
birds and like cranes are big like oh yeah you know in uh north like where uh, i grew up there are a a large number of cranes uh at the creek that is in north lake that just branches off the displays river and they're terrifying to see like when they take off like they're big but by no means are they seven foot wingspan and more big right and it's also like 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 uh, making making that excuse like oh it's a heron like I know what a bird looks like. Exactly. I, I I know what a bird looks like. I know what an owl looks like. I know what a hawk looks like. You know what a bat looks like. I know what a bat looks like. And this looked like none of those things. This no. was something completely foreign to me. And yes, you know, we can we can say, you know, that it's a uh, it's you know, bad vision. It can you know you didn't have a good look at it. It wasn't you no know, full. But that's not it either. You know, and a lot it. of these people saw and myself included. You know, you see these things as they are in the moment, and it's like your your only response is, "What the fuck am I looking at?" Yeah, and followed closely by, "How the fuck do I get out of this?" Which I mean, again, it's just a lot of these people I think are just making excuses because the human brain doesn't want to accept that type of situation. Right, and I and I don't know if it's just fear misunderstanding or what but you know what you know what a bird looks like you know what an owl looks like you know what a bat looks like it's not that and i just i don't understand why people aren't open to the idea of this is a mothman or some other winged humanoid creature well it's it's just because our you know we like to be rational and i think that you know i think that there's there's a certain amount of like well-intentioned thought behind wanting to be rational all the time you know being rational is what kind of keeps us grounded it's what it's 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 what allows us to make sense of our day-to-day but the fact of the matter is is there's plenty that goes on even like non-paranormal shit that fucks up our sense of the day-to-day truly you know and it's like and you know you always hear people talk about you know how like you know i be being you know be rational is like a thing that you know especially people who are like prone to like anxieties and things like that like you know hearing someone tell you be rational is not necessarily out of the ballpark of possibilities and it's like yeah sure that's all that's all well and good but what happens when you're confronted by something that is not rational there's a lot that exists outside the realm of realm of rational and it's like what you know what the fuck do we do with that and i guess we've come to the point in this show and as we will in all shows where i will have to ask you the question on mothman you have a personal experience here. Where are you at today? Do you think this is real? It's a actual potential cryptid. Do we think it's all junk? Where, where do where do we stand on this? I I truly honestly I think that it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. You know I know what I saw, and I firmly believe a lot of the eyewitness reports. But I do feel like once this thing became popular, and once it became talked about, you know. Um, the uptick of reports kind of happened on a rather in a rather quick way so i i think that there were certainly some people that were kind of capitalizing on the popularity of it to make false reports certainly i think that a, you know and i do think that a certain level of healthy skepticism is needed in any kind of situation like this um but i do truly think that there is something happening i do think there's something out there i think there's plenty that we can't really deal with you know, at the forefront of our brains. 
Um, so I think it's real, but I also think that there is a certain amount of hoaxing that is going on. Um, especially, you know, in that period of like 2017 to mid 2018, when it was really popular and talked about. Cause right. if, if you notice a lot of the reports that have been recent, there's a lot less of them. Truly. Yes. And they all follow a very similar blueprint. Whereas in late 2017, early 2018, it was kind of all over the board, like the presentation of this thing. Yes. And I will say that's a, a, a fair point. And I'm going to say, as far as I believe, I'm going to be in the same boat. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I believe that it is a actual, I believe that it is an actual cryptid that is out there, yes. possibly more than one. Yes. And I will say too, that yes, obviously some of them have probably been faked. As we mentioned, 56 of the reported incidents of 159 or whatever all happened in that 2017. It's a lot of boy who cried wolf yes. uh, happening on there. People wanted to glom on their, their 15 seconds of fame. But overall, uh, I do think it's I think it's real. I do and, too. And it's, it's one to continue to keep an eye on yeah. and see that mothy bastard. Absolutely. We'll get him. You'll get him eventually. And it's actually, you know, now that you mention it, how a lot of them follow a similar pattern and those ones in 2017 that seem rather hoaxy where you're kind of like, mm, I call bullshit. I will say that's a common theme for me and my belief in the paranormal in general, because if you're telling me like my house is haunted and I'm like, great, tell me about it. If you're like, sometimes we hear knocking, there's weird smells, doors closed by themselves mm-hmm. that I'm more prone to believe versus like when you're watching ghost adventure adventures, you know, and like the guys like, and every night at midnight, a demon appears and she spits in my mouth and she calls me a whore bitch. And you're just like, yeah, I don't, I don't think that happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I tend, I tend to agree with you. Um, I, not that I don't believe that are not, there are not like more violent interactions. And then the ghost appeared at me and it, and it pointed and it said you, and it happened every night, every single night at 3am by yeah. the way, the witching hour. Right. I mean, yeah, that, that seems hella scripted. Um, I will say I've warmed up a lot to ghost adventures though, just because oh, it's I a blast. Out, well, I've also found out that Zach Baggins is like the sweetest man in the world. Yeah. Like, just a stand up guy. Yeah. Volunteering at dog shelters and shit. Like he's a good dude. So like, I'll let him bullshit me for an hour every fucking Friday. It's fine. He also, you know, he uh, once asked a ghost if he likes his tattoos and they he said did. they were sick. Yeah. That's peak television. Yeah. 100%. Um, but yeah, I think, I definitely think it's out there. There's more uh, than we ever will know out there. Um, and that's the point of the show, right? To fucking explore this stuff and exactly. make some funny jokes and uh, talk about things that we're very passionate about. Which, as we wrap up, uh, we wanted to kind of kick off uh, this show with a segment that I love to call What You Read and What You Watching. So we can talk about all the cool shit we're reading and or watching uh, and uh, promote it to you, our uh, incredible listeners of the show. So, uh, Justin, What You Read and What You Watching. All right, let's uh, reading first. I have been stuck on this book, but it is fantastic, and it's not the book's fault. I have my brain is broken, and it needs to function better. I would like my neurotransmitters to fire properly, mm-hmm. but it is called Black Flags and Blue Waters. Oh, I've heard of that. It's a fantastic book about piracy and the history of it in America. Yeah, um, I guess that's kind of you know related to Ookie Spooky. It's sure. not necessarily like you know ghosts and stuff, but like I can tell you, this book is like metal. Yeah. Like some of the descriptions of stuff, you were like, everything in Pirate Times was sick. Like there's there's a mountain they were describing that they were forcing people to work on. And because so many people died on it, they they nicknamed the mountain that eats men. That's 
boss hard yeah hardcore also some descriptions about like you know earthquakes happening and tsunamis and like people getting stuck in basically quicksand and then wild dogs eating their faces mm-hmm. like the book is brutal it's amazing and then what I am watching uh, is what we mentioned earlier, the incredibly sexy AMC adaptation of Interview with the Vampire. So fucking good. So good. Uh, really into it. I think at the time of this recording, there's only three or four episodes out so far, yeah, so. but um, they are great. They're doing some interesting stuff with the story. It's one of my favorite books. I don't care how basic that makes me. Oh, no. I mean, Anne uh, Rice worked on the show, too, so... And it's it's fantastic. And also, I, I'm a big fan of New Orleans. It, it mm-hmm. makes me feel like I'm down there in the bayou. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, who doesn't want to be a, a just sexy Dracula down in New Orleans just getting it in? And if you say you don't, you're a fucking liar. You're a filthy fucking liar. All right. So uh, what I'm reading, what I'm watching, um, I am currently in the middle of um, – Things have gotten worse as we last spoke and other misfortunes, okay. uh, which is by uh, Eric LaRocca. Uh, he's a super up and I mean, I, I don't even want to call him up and coming because he's been cranking shit out like steadily for the last two years. But um, he wrote a short story. It was, went viral called Things Have Gotten Worse as We Last Spoke. I've um, heard a lot about it. Yeah. He was nominated for a um, Stoker Award. Uh, super nice guy. Um, and uh, recently he just released he re-released things have gotten worse and then a bunch of other short stories. So I'm in the middle of that and that's incredible. And uh, what I'm watching, not really into, I haven't really been able to keep up with series. Again, I think it's that neurotransmitter thing. I just can't mm. do it. Uh, fuckers. But we did sit down to, f- to watch the uh, Hellraiser reboot. Oh, I've heard good things. Incredible. I loved it. People are bitching about it because like whatever, you know, like Doug Bradley, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like he's great. Don't be wrong. But like, if we're talking about things that are close to the original vision of Clive Barker, in the Hellbound Heart, Hellbound Heart and the Scarlet Gospels, this is the this is the one for me. I mean, it's just so so faithful to the lore, so faithful to the story of the Cenobites and the Hell Priest slash Priestess. Um, it's fucking metal as shit Hell as it yeah. should be. Um, and I don't understand why people are mad. It's like it's like are you are you mad that the movie about gay sex demons written by a gay dude is too gay? Like it's I mean like it's what the fuck do you want? But anyway, go watch it. It's on Hulu. It's incredible. Um, and check out Eric LaRocca's work if you haven't. He's a, he's a killer dude. You he know writes the, killer stories. The general population, things just go over their head, huh? I know. You know? It's like when people were like, Rage Against the Machine's political? What? Since when? I know. Or it's like my biggest, uh, before we're on the topic, is I thought it was very funny that Roger Waters was doing Pink Floyd uh, performances recently of mm-hmm. The Wall. Mm-hmm. And he had a whole spiel about being anti-drone and people were like booing him. And it was like, have you guys listened to any of the rock and roll music that has come out in the past 50 years? It's all against capitalism and the man. The cognitive dissonance is wild. It's like, who did you think they were, they were raging against? Right. The, like the, like all, only the Democrat presidents, not the Republican ones. Yeah. It's like, you know, Metallica had like four albums all about how war is bad and it's only good for rich people. Right. I want to start a band called Rage Against the Republican Machine, but not the Democratic ones. <laughs> not the Democrat. They're good. We like those ones. Uh, all right. Well, uh, thank everybody for tuning into the very first episode of Cryptified. Uh, Justin and I are very happy to be back podcasting. It's something we have been talking about on and off since before the fucking pandemic. So that kind of illustrates how long this has been a work in progress. Uh, we hope that you will join us every other week for an episode on uh, the creepy crawly cryptids that live among us um and uh justin go ahead and plug our socials so we can get that off the ground 
and we'll wrap this puppy up. And we made it super easy for you guys this time. It's just Cryptified Pod, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a Facebook as well. Um, a TikTok. There's a TikTok. I mean, reach out. Uh, as of right now, full disclosure, when we're recording this, they are not very active, but that's because we are ramping up for the release date, uh, which you are listening to now. So if it also, I will say from the past, love hearing from you guys it was truly what was the best part about podcasting in the past mm-hmm. was interacting with everybody so if you want to reach out there's an email it's getcryptified at gmail.com yeah. if you want to say just hey what's up any questions comments concerns you know future episode topics uh fan art anything like all that stuff was what made it worthwhile in the past and we are super excited to continue that relationship and connect with you all some more yeah so thank everybody for listening and you guys uh keep it crypt did <laughs> Podcast over. Podcast over.